Welcome to the I Am Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Myers, and today's guest is Alicia Rice. Alicia has quite the resume. She's a professional athlete. She competed on the U.S. National Synchronized Swimming Team, and after placing top 14 in the U.S. Olympic Trials, she went on and performed at Cirque du Soleil for five years and then performed as an aerialist and dancer for large music festivals like EDC, and now lives here in San Diego. She's a teacher, choreographer, and on top of all of this, she has a degree in marketing and is an accomplished writer and painter. So excited to dive in with her. All right, welcome on the show, Alicia. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It's good to have you. Thanks for saying yes to this podcast today. We have a really exciting conversation that we want to talk about. It has to do with the world in which we're experiencing the new normal today. And I think you guys will find this really exciting. It was inspired by a podcast that we listened to last night with Joe Rogan and Elon Musk. And it was just an incredible conversation that sparked some interest and we thought let's make a podcast on this tomorrow here we are so here we are here we are well it was a great podcast we both definitely recommend you having a listen if you have the time and um, it's pretty long there's a lot covered in that but one of the things that really stuck out to me was he briefly talked about his kind of venture into minimalism that he's been taking recently he is obviously someone who has quite a bit of wealth, um, all the resources and abundance he needs, but he is going to be getting rid of most everything he owns um, so, so he can focus on his work. And I think that is absolutely amazing for someone of that level of influence to be putting the minimalist message out there. Absolutely. And he has like multi-billionaire, several homes, several he has lots of accumulation uh, things that he's accumulated and to be able to step into that that zone of letting go and I think a lot of people right now are being forced into recreating themselves businesses are forced into redesigning how they offer their products and services people are having to are, are starting to think about consolidating items, selling items, getting rid of things that they don't use and that they don't need. And then to hear his message just seemed like the perfect timing to have somebody of, of his, in his level step in and really take, um, take the initiative there to, to, to be bold and make that move. So absolutely. Because a Joe Rogan's podcast is one of the most popular out there. So a lot of people are hearing that message and it's great because People still, you know, minimalism has definitely gained some weight in popularity in recent years, but a lot of people still think, well, that's for if you're, say, a nomadic traveling hippie in a back with just a backpack, or if you're a poor college kid on a crazy budget, but I, I have a big family, I could never do that, or I, you know, for whatever circumstance in life, need all of these things. And while I do believe there's a spectrum of it, it shouldn't look the same for everyone else. 
Um, I do think that on some level, in their own way, everyone could benefit from embracing minimalism to a certain extent. Yeah, and I want to talk more about minimalism. What is it exactly, in your opinion, and how do you describe minimalism? And I want to talk more about your journey with minimalism. I think that's going to be really helpful for, for, for everyone to understand where we're going with this whole conversation. And by the way, we're sitting here in San Diego, looking at the ocean, beautiful surroundings here. Uh, we are really close to a train that does come through very often. So if you hear that in the background, we're just going to keep plunging through this podcast with you. So you're just gonna... a little ambient background noise. Uh, we're doing a little bit of shelter in place in car because sometimes, especially these days and after this long of quarantine, it's good to change up the scenery a little nice bit. Nice to get out. Get out and yes. just have some sense of freedom. And we find that sometimes sitting in the car staring at the ocean. Um, you know, the beaches are now open here in San Diego for exercise we just discovered now today that you have to also wear a mask on the beach if you're going to exercise down there. So we have some new some new rules happening. Um, I could go on and on about that. So I think we'll, we'll cover that in another podcast. Probably. We'll cover that in another podcast. So let's focus on the topic of this or what we just discussed is the minimalism. You have quite the backstory. Uh, you've lived in a lot of different places and had the opportunity to spread your wings early on and have a, a number of different experiences. So how, where did all this begin? So a lot of people often when you meet someone, one of the first questions is, well, where are you from? Where you, did you grow up? And for me, I can't really pinpoint it um, on one specific place because now there's been so many and so many for about the same time frame that I'm pretty much just a gypsy at this point. Not because my father was in the military, that's a common guess, um, but more so out of just chasing opportunities and liking to change my environment and experience as much as I can. So the the quick synopsis is I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then my father got a job in Canada when I was four years old, Edmonton, Alberta. Um, so we, I was there for pretty much the duration of childhood, so I guess that's the closest thing you could say to where I grew up. And then he was starting his own business and wanted somewhere very different from the minus 30 winters we had, so we moved to Arizona. Um, I only was there two years because I left home to train for the Olympics when I was 16 in Silicon Valley, Bay Area, California. From there, I lived in Las Vegas for eight years after that, and then Hollywood for four years, and now I'm in the beautiful San Diego. Wow. Well, so I'm looking at everything that you just mentioned and based on what I know about you and your story. And so I'm assuming that when you were in the Las Vegas area, that's where you were uh, performing with the for five years. Yes. So I moved there. It was kind of my first real job um, after graduating college and doing the Olympic trials. I was recruited to be in the cast of a Cirque du Soleil show called La Reve at the Wynn Hotel. And did that for five years and it was an incredible experience and then after that continued on uh, dancing for a company called Insomniac which if you're a 
a techno music fan, they put on the giant music festivals like EDC and other ones where um, I got to dance for up to 100,000 people and perform on stage with DJs like Avicii. And it was a pretty incredible time. So what was it like performing with the circus in front of people and some of the, I mean, what was that, what was that like with? Definitely the one, it's probably the biggest high I've ever had in my life. And it's, you know, every, I, my hope is that in their lifetime, everyone can find their craft. And for me, it is definitely performing and uplifting and inspiring people. And it's in those moments where, you know, there's, we'll get to my backstory on minimalism in a second here, but in those moments where there's just such joy and the energy of the crowd and you see people so happy and the music is elating and you're just totally connected to what you're doing. No amount of stuff I could ever accumulate, a new pair of shoes or a handbag or a house or a car would ever come close to that feeling. And I think that's, you know, be having the privilege of had moments, having moments like that in my life has definitely helped me to be pretty extreme with my minimalism because I know what true fulfillment feels like versus quick gratification from a shopping high. Mm. Well, what about, uh, did, did, do you think that had, was there a lot of discipline that you learned through though, through that, that being in that environment? Oh, absolutely. So the, once I was a performing artist, there's still, you know, definite training that you have to keep up with to keep in shape. And what was that like? Um, it was, you know, at at that point in my career, it was kind of like, now I got to reap the rewards of my competitive training that I I definitely had a lot more fun as a performer, especially as a dancer, because it was kind of freestyle and I got to do what I want to do. Um, but my competitive training, that was definitely where all of my hardcore, hardcore discipline came in on the U S team. We trained 10 hours a day, six days a week in the water. And it's definitely, you're striving for perfection and to, in a judge sport, synchronized swimming, probably a lot of you don't know too much about it, but it is, you're working for a score. So it's not just you versus a team. And when things are very subjective like that, you're striving for perfection and it can just always be better. So you're, you're always looking to outdo yourself on a a daily basis. And once you get to a certain level, you never stay there. It's always, okay, well now how can I get better? And it it is definitely a good thing to take into life because it keeps you from slipping into complacency and boredom and then ultimately kind of unfulfilling behaviors like chronic shopping or social media distraction or binge watching, binge watching friends. Yes. Um, where, you know, it, short amounts of intentional entertainment, I think are great. I'm not saying be a stoic and never find joy in your life, but it's about being really intentional with your time and then exercising discipline and finding the rewards you can have from that. Excellent. Well, I just did the math. So six days a week, 10 hours a day, that's 60 hours a week, right? Yes. (laughs) Wow. 60 hours a week training in the pool, swimming, 
Yes, mostly. So we did some on, we call it land. It would be just, you know, normal for people. But when you're kind of a fish for a living, anything outside of the water is referred to as land. Um, we would do some weights, uh, plyometrics, yoga, Pilates, dance, uh, flexibility training. You have to be extremely flexible for this sport. Um, and then also kind of going over the routines on land. But the bulk of it was in the water, rain or shine, 28 degrees hailing, doesn't matter, you're in the water. <laughs> wow, that's true commitment. And I would say you probably developed a lot of grit and focus and just a tremendous amount of, of um, dedication to, to your body and your sport. So that we're going to talk about something else too because on top of all of this stuff you have a degree in marketing and also uh you you work at your more i've seen some of your art you're an accomplished artist and writer and so the you know we'll talk a little bit about those areas as well um as we keep diving into this and and just going more into the 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 backstory. I have a I have a question for you because as a when you say minimalist, what is this something that you've always had? Something that's always been inside of you where you just wanted as little as possible, or how? Where did that begin? So I like to say that I'm the original declutterer. You've probably, if you have social media, whether you're into the minimalist movement or not, you've probably seen the myriad declutter with me videos that are around YouTube. And I can honestly say, I don't know why, but as early on as I can remember, like five, six years old, I got stressed out by too much stuff. I grow so growing up in Canada, my father has four sisters, none of them had kids yet, so we definitely got all sorts of presents on birthdays and Christmas and just random I love yous of the normal little girl things. I had a sister or have a sister as well of just Barbies and my little ponies and stuffed animal kitties and just little games and I re vividly remember each time a new package would come and it was a duplicate of something I had, rather than get excited and be like, yes, now I have three Barbies or five or ten, I would get stressed out and be like, I already have one of these. Now I, now I have two. How do I divide my time between this? How do I keep my, my little area clean? And maybe it's a little bit neurotic for a young child, but I, with everything, with clothing, with little trinkets in my room or coloring books, I only ever wanted just exactly what I needed and to have more just seemed like a waste to me and so I remember being very very little and decluttering if you will my room or my toy area well and then so let's fast forward we go into like from childhood into teenage years and into the whole you know graduating um, high school and then into college so did this continue on or it did um and then it didn't <laughs> well so i'll take you through that so as when we left canada um we were moving you know quite a, a big difference and we were encouraged to because it's very expensive to move as you know kind of you know we weren't forced to get rid of anything i don't think my my sister's very much not a minimalist um but i you know it was the first big move i was 14 and I, we were going to you know, a new state, a new country. And 
I got, I remember getting really, really excited to start fresh, you know, to just pick up and just only take what I need with me, let go of things I didn't want anymore. And just the chance to kind of reinvent myself. And that's still to this day, one of my most favorite things because to just do one thing in life. And that's kind of why my backstory, there are so many random things on my resume because I want to experience as much as possible. Um, so we moved and I didn't have a lot of things. And then I moved again when I was 16 and I was living by myself. So I also didn't take a lot of things. And I wasn't the typical teenager that hung out at the mall all the time with friends and had a, very much of a social life because I was already training so much and still took my studies very seriously. So having a lot of extra things, there it wasn't high on my priority list um, all the way through high school and college as well. You know, you live in a dorm room, there's really no space in there. Um, but then it took a detour when I got my job in Las Vegas because it was kind of my first adult job. It's very inexpensive to live there, especially back then when I was there. And you live this kind of glitz and glamour lifestyle when you're in a show. If you get with the fancy dinners and there's a cast party or you get VIP bottle service at the club or you go to see this big name DJ or this concert and combining that with having real money for the first time in my life and actually a lot of free time because I just had one job versus school and training and a job, I became a shopaholic. And my very minimalist closet went from kind of sparse in a few items to just a shopping mall that had over exploded. You know, we're talking like maybe 30 pairs of shoes, probably closer to 40, most of which were ridiculous high heels that just destroy your feet and multiples, like not one pair of sneakers, but five and millions of sandals and handbags and just trinkets and decorations around the house. And just kind of, I felt this pressure to follow the American dream of, okay, well, I've got this apartment now, so I have got to get this really nice sofa set and this really impractical glass table and this big fancy lamp and oh I better get a kitchen table now because that makes me more of an adult and I better get nice dishes and oh now I need all these decorations to fill this bigger space and it I found the more stuff I got it was an inverse relationship of I started feeling just more and more and more overwhelmed and just crowded by things so what's what's this about the 80 20 rule where you get rid of like 80% or something like that and keep 20? Is this something that So there's a lot of different mechanisms. Um, yeah, that's a great one. Um, for It depends on kind of which area of your home you're decluttering. For uh, your closet, a good rule is if you haven't worn it in a year, you're probably not going to. So let it go. Or, you know, if it's something that doesn't, you know, you've probably heard of Marie Kondo. Her big thing is, does this spark joy? And the joy could be... This is my blender. I use it every day for smoothies like you. So absolutely. Or this is, you know, a really kind of odd, yuck, you know, rickety trinket on my house, but it's from my grandmother and I absolutely love it. So you keep it there. There's a lot of, you know, it's up to you to decide what makes sense for you. But there's a lot of, I, you know, I challenge people to question themselves because every layer of things that I've let go of, it's 
initially things maybe a year ago I've let oh I could never get rid of these I absolutely need these and I let go of a layer of things sit on it for a bit and then come back to those things I'm like actually maybe I could let these go and I do and I've have yet to for all of the things I've let go there's not one thing I have remorse over letting go well speaking of letting go there I'm I'm being coached right now on letting go of a lot of my personal items as well so I'm also as we're having this discussion here, I've been diving into, I have a storage unit with everything that I've, that I've owned since I was a kid and I've condensed it. It's been condensing itself down and down and down, but I still have a storage unit and it's starting to, I'm really working on, on decluttering and getting rid of things. So I'm being coached right now by, on, on what things that, should start to get rid of and honestly I've let's see what was it a few months ago I actually took out a few box loads full of items that were just just didn't serve me and I was holding on to them thinking that I would just sell them online or take them you know just either sell them online or Craigslist or something like that and I finally rather than put the energy into that I finally just said okay I'm just throwing it out it's going it's going Right. There's definitely, I mean, there's lots of ways to let things go. Selling is great if you really can get money for it, depending, you know, maybe it's a huge flat screen TV. Yeah. But a lot of times I found with my own things, it would be way more effort to try and get it sold. And it would never, because they were so old, it doesn't recoup much cost. So you can donate it. You can donate it is great. Um, giving it to homeless shelters is great. Or what's really fun to do and kind of bridges, if it's something you really did love at a time and it's sentimental, but you know you just don't use it anymore, find a friend that you know would love it. That's really helped me let go of some things that... They had sentimental value, but I had no use. But then when you know, it's almost like a pet. Like when you know it's going to a good home and they'll really value it, it feels much better and it lets you transition away from having it much easier. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, being able to find good homes for things is is really important because it feels good to know that it goes to a special place and has a purpose and is going to get used and not just sit inside of a storage closet or basically where it was sitting in my place or your place or uh, things like that. Well, and that also, this whole topic of minimalism and, and decluttering, like this whole podcast was, you know, we were talking about Elon Musk earlier and some of the things that he was talking about. And so with the world, just as a whole, as we're experiencing this total shift that's going on with we're being forced to recreate, reinvent, uh, declutter, downsize, consolidate. What do you think is um, is going to be happening here with with moving forward? What's well, I mean, it definitely is a big time of uncertainty, and I don't have a crystal ball, but I do believe in hoping for the best and kind of not going down the spiral of fear mongering. But the why I think minimalism is so prevalent to everyone right now is it's not another misconception is that it's just kind of an aesthetic throughout your home oh this is my kind of naked barren home and while it can be that it's actually so much more um it's you know again why i thought it was so great that elon brought it up is you know he was not doing it because he lost all his money he was doing it because he wants to focus on his work 
like less distractions mean more right. focus on your on your job or your whatever your vision is and yeah there there's just something magical when you're in your space and you're not kind of just crowded out by all these things that you have to take care of that you know you have to manage or that distract you you can kind of just hone in on your craft and so which is why so for minimalism for me is not just my wardrobe is smaller i don't have knickknacks it's also I only have a handful of apps on one page on my phone. I I have a YouTube channel, but I don't have 10 social media platforms that to be scrolling through all day. Uh, my something simple like my email inbox doesn't have 5,000 unread emails. It has two that I've saved that have Zoom meetings I need to get into. And, um, you know, minimalism just with, you know, I don't really watch TV or just being very intentional with how you use your time because that is your resource and in a time now where people need to kind of on the fly figure out okay if quarantine lasts however many more months how am I going to make money how am I going to do this from my home and if you have just a really simple creative space to work in it's it's much more helpful in my opinion And furthermore, if you are in a situation where maybe you need to downsize from your home to a smaller apartment, or if you're going to stay with family to be a little bit more prudent for a while, if you own less, moving is infinitely easier and less expensive and just much less stressful. Yeah, by letting your some of the items go, or even all, you can always get new stuff. You can always get the new things that you need wherever you go so that's that's an option yeah there's um i do follow i highly recommend if you are kind of baby stepping into your first area of minimalism check out the minimalists they have a podcast it's also the minimalist.com and they have a fantastic documentary that's just called minimalism shout out to minimalism yeah they have something called the 2020 rule which is you know, once you've gotten to the point of, okay, these are outfits I don't want to wear anymore. These are trinkets I don't need. You let go of other things. There's a lot of things you keep around your home, quote unquote, just in case. Oh, I never use this, but if this one certain circumstance comes up, I better hang on to it just in case. And most of the time it never gets used, but get rid of those things. And they say, they claim it will always, if you're out and about, most of the time, whatever you got rid of is something you could replace in 20 minutes for $20 or under. And I think that's been a good rule of thumb. All right. Well, that's great tips and great advice. And this has been a lot of fun to dive into some, a little bit more of the, this topic of minimalism and, and downsizing, down, like just consolidating a little bit. Yeah, because, and again, the why I'm so passionate about it is, yes, it's made my life easier in great ways. It's very, it's incredibly emotionally liberating to let go of a bunch of things. You feel so free afterwards. But the bigger picture is it's not just an individual mission. It is tied to the state of our planet right now. And I'm sure you've seen on the news or social media that whilst most of what we're going through right now is horrendous, the mass 
stopping of producing has caused incredible environmental shifts for the positive yeah. with air quality, with Gre water quality. Greenhouse gases are down. There's Animals have territory back and it's just really indicative of we are producing way too much on this planet. And the, it's not just, you know, it's, it's not an accident and it's not, you know, we all play a part in it. So the, the reason, because we all vote with our dollar, the reason all this stuff is getting produced is because there's a demand for it. So if we collectively change our spending behaviors and patterns to be more intentional and only take what we need from the land, yes, it's going to greatly shift the economy, but to things that matter versus just this infinite model of producing waste and crap for our homes that we don't really need. Yeah, and our landfills, I, I've had over the last two years out here in California and, and San Diego, I've gone out to the landfill site several occasions with uh, when I was helping a friend in construction. And when I would go out there to see these mountains of garbage and waste and some of it just, it's just nasty to see the, the amount of garbage and waste that we that we as a uh, as a society are just throwing out and a, a lot of it could be reused a, a good probably a good portion could be reused recycled and a lot of this stuff is just finding its homes in oceans and some of it in landfills and just it's definitely not assisting us with no, it's very heartbreaking and there's no system, whether it's the rainforest or farmland or ocean or air quality there, you know, the devastating wildfires happening in uh, Australia last year there, every piece of it is related and every piece of it is human caused. So we need to make a massive shift because every other animal on the planet only takes what they need, only the food they need to survive only the little small amount of resources to make a home. We're the only species that has created all of this extraneous stuff to try and make us happy and more comfortable. And interestingly enough, in you know the wealthiest country in the world, unhappiness is higher than ever. Stress levels are higher than ever because it's just showing you know, this mass consumerism is proving itself to not only not make you happy, it's making people unhappy, but they and just depressed. don't. Like depression and, de and, and uh, even suicide right now is the leading, one of the leading causes of death right now, right? Right. There's... It's why you see, you know, celebrities like I mentioned Avicii earlier, I got to perform on stage with him and I think it was only a year or two later he committed suicide. This is one of the biggest, most successful DJs in the world. Uh, Robin Williams, Kate Spade, a fashion designer, all these really quote unquote successful people that can have all of the things they could ever want that money could buy are dying on the inside because what matters most is human connection and love and no amount of things can cover up for that and the more you keep chasing these things the more it's in it's Buddhism it's called the hungry ghost. The more you chase and acquire the more you'll want and you'll just be digging yourself into this hole of unfulfillment on top of financial stress of debt or just managing all those things. And it's, it's just a trap that is causing, you know, psychological distress on the individual level and planetary distress on the, as a whole. So we really need to shift our consciousness. Absolutely. And if we don't, we're approaching the sixth largest 
mass extinction, and it's all due to human behavior. And we can make some changes. We can collect. It has to be a collective effort. It can't be just done by one state, you know, one city, one group of people. It has to be a collective energy on a global scale. And some people are already doing it. And I know California, we have resources in place for certain areas, but some tips and maybe some strategies that we can share or leave with you guys based on our knowledge and what we what we know together here, um, we can offer uh, a few ideas for you. Um, I, I know you might have a few things to share Definitely. on that. So it's uh, what I do with minimalism is not just, you know, there's a lot of how to's and instructions, but what people don't, when they start doing coming face to face with it, it's a lot of coaching that people actually need because it you can say, okay, get fired up. Yes, I want to do this. And then open your closet and be like, I have no idea where to start. Or look at that one drawer in your kitchen that holds everything and be completely overwhelmed. Like not know where you want to start, not know right. where to begin. It's just so, so much in front of you. That it, you just give up. It like immobilizes you. Yes. And so that, so if you're... So my tip to conquer that would be start with one project in your home one room start you know a closet is always a great place to start or maybe a drawer or even a drawer yeah <laughs> any, small. yeah if the closet's too much that you know again achieve one task and it'll give you some momentum and some confidence but and, and that's true because i i speak from experience with this as a a person who's accumulated a lot over my life and just recently in the last five years really started to get rid of things i started with small stuff like a few I threw away my old trophies that I kept from childhood and just like letting go of those trophies was such an attachment. But when I, and I threw them away cause I'm not going to donate those. I just threw them out. And for a second I felt the disconnection. And then the next day I'd never thought about it again. Right. And you bring up a good point with that. Cause that's sentimental items. That's one of the hardest things for people to tackle. Like, Oh, I just my, went right in. my great grandmother <laughs> who, who passed away made this blanket for me. That's, that's hard. That's but, next on my list. Or, yeah. Or in my case, you know, I had been a national champion and competed overseas and really incredible experiences. But another great quote from those guys, the minimalists, is they say, the memory is in you, not in the thing. And we are at an advantage in the digital age of you can just take a picture and then it's stored in zeros and ones. So I did that with all of my old costumes, with my medals, with pictures because I'm, I'm kind of of the split generation that grew up with Kodak disposable cameras. So take a picture of your favorite sentimental things. Or better yet, take a video. Now or we can a video. do video with yeah. you holding it and smiling and giving. However you want to do it. But then thanking grandma and yeah, then it, then it's saved. And then you can either, if it's a totally useless thing, like say an old trophy, just, you know, let it go, recycle it or again, find a good home for it. So that's a, a really great thing to do with, because we tend to collect a lot of those, those you know, big boxes of childhood things. And if you really take a look at yourself, like how often are you going through those things? Yeah, not. I took a look at my, my surplus uh, collection of trophies and I've got blankets that I've got to sort through and start to donate. Uh, there's so much though. There's so many things that were pushed in drawers in the back of boxes and organized hoarding. <laughs> oh, it's, it is, oh, I just, it's amazing on how much accumulation has happened over the years. And as I've grown spiritually and, um, 
emotionally detoxified myself. Old things that I used to hold on to from childhood is kind of like my old identity. Um, I don't, I no longer identify with those things anymore. Um, so it's much easier to let go of things where I'm at right now. And I still have a lot more things that I need to work on. Uh, but that's a really great tip to, that's, yeah, that is a really good point because you, you know, bringing up your, you know, that's an old identity. That's really true. It's nice to look at pictures every now and then to remember the good old times. But if you have things around your home that are from time periods of your life, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and you're kind of constantly in that vibe, it can sometimes limit you from reinventing yourself and experiencing new things. Um, so that's a, it, it can be a really kind of spiritual and emotional practice to let those things go, but it can be very liberating and open a lot of new doors as well. Uh, yeah, I can, I can speak from experience on that. And it's like the, when I start to let go of more and more things, I, I could feel, I feel lighter. I feel more, clear and just if I had to move tomorrow I could I could almost do it put everything in pack it up within probably two hours maybe three and be ready to go so it's well we might have a little bit more work to do on your storage but you're close to agreed, agreed. <laughs> I'm a work in progress but that's, we all are that's why this topic was something I thought we could dive into because she's very well versed on it has lived her life around these principles. For me, I went from being a semi hoarder, holding on to a lot of things to the only thing I really hold on to now come to think of it is I enjoy a variety of different clothes. So I have a lot of shirts and pants and clothes and shoes. I don't know why I'm having a hard time getting rid of all those, but I will say out of all the clothing items that I have, I probably wear maybe seven shirts and two pairs of pants and two pairs of shorts. So it yeah, is possible. So there's hope. <laughs> there's hope. So yeah, it, it's really hard. And again, this is, I, so after my years of shopaholicism in Vegas, it's been um, kind of almost a six year journey of just layers I've let go of and then let go of some more and then let go of some more. And it's, you know, Ian is right. There's you, you have this large collection of shoes and clothes and think, oh, I love all of these. But then if you look at what you're wearing on a day-to-day -day basis, it's probably just a small kind of inner circle of a few things. So one good tip with that is pack up ev most everything and just leave out those few key pieces you are wearing. And if you don't feel ready to totally give everything up yet, pack it up put it away, see what life without it for a month is like. And you may realize, huh, I don't even actually know what's in that box anymore. And then you can let it go. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. I, I like that one. I, I'm going to try that with some, with something. I'm going to choose something and I'm going to do that for maybe seven days. Let's try it on for seven. Try that for seven days and see what happens. Have your listeners try that out too. Yeah. And... Good idea. So as we're going to bring this in for a landing here. We I mentioned early on that you have a degree in marketing and you're an accomplished writer and painter. So what's uh, what's going on with that now? What, I, what so do you... those, I like to, the way my career trajectory has gone and it's been kind of all over the place with um, many different pursuits is I like to master something to the ability that where I feel like I've done all I need to do 
and then I move on because, and not saying this is right. You get bored? Is it? I get bored. I'll be real about that. But also once, because once you get to a certain level of mastery, if you're not expanding or growing, then it's just complacency. And for me, complacency feels like death. It feels like stagnation, suffocation. It's why I left the show in Las Vegas. I was in the number one show in a very glitzy, glamorous setup, but I was doing the same thing every day for five years and not growing as an artist. And for, so for me, I would rather, I will choose growth and new opportunities over security and safety any day of the week, because Mm -hmm. that's where the real magic is. And that's how you grow as a human and experience new joys. And so now kind of the trajectory is winding all of the lessons I've learned from those past experiences and kind of helping uplift and inspire people through this passion of minimalism. Because again, for me, it's not just a home aesthetic. It's a whole lifestyle that I think will change people's lives for the better and change the planet for the better. Well, the other thing is the the painting. So in your home, you have a couple of paintings that you did that I think are really amazing. In fact, I was like, who painted that? You said, I did. Wow, that's really some good work. So do you have any other paintings that you've done that you can... Um, I think that would be I... a great video. Yeah, I mean, I would have to, right now I only have, that's another thing I digitized. I did, um, I, I used to paint quite a bit more back in the day. Um, but I, for me, the joy of painting came out of giving it to someone as a gift because, you know, when you're in college and you don't have money, you make Christmas gifts. So I would paint for my grandma or paint for my father. And so most all of my artwork is now in quote unquote a good home, but I do have a, a digital copy of it. And then actually the only artwork hanging on my walls. A little sculpture, a clay Raku kind of face that I made when I was 10 years old. Uh, my mother is a Raku artist, so she was back in the day kind of helping me learn the trade. Um, and then I have a painting I made of a snow leopard, I think when I was 15 years old. And I hung on to both of those because they are sentimental and the, the snow leopard was the first painting I did. And actually it turned out decent. It won first place in the state fair and, and I just like it. It feels like kind of a animalistic self-portrait. So... There's just those on the wall in my home and um, two dream catchers and that's it. That's it. It's very simple but very tasteful. And with your painting, you have a, or not painting, but with your minimalism and the, you have a channel, a YouTube channel where you're starting to share a little bit more on the lifestyle. So how can people find you? For that, if they want to dive into a little bit more material or follow you on your journey. Absolutely. So I am Minimal Muse on YouTube, and I'm sure Ian will put that little link in the show notes for you all. But it'll be predominantly about minimalism, but again, the kind of lifestyle umbrella. So my thoughts on finance or, you know, relationships or different lifestyle things and there's a tour of my home so you can kind of see what a little minimalist life looks like but um yeah just covering it it, it's meant as kind of a guide again minimalism will look different for everyone but there there's kind of general principles you can take into your life and be like okay 
this feels right, this doesn't, this is helpful, this I can now do things in these different ways, and etc. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing your expertise or your feedback and your thoughts on minimalism and this whole area that we find ourselves right now with this pandemic, coronavirus, um, consolidation, recreation. Uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts and wisdom in some of these areas. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. And to you listeners out there, I challenge you, see if there are five things that around your home today that you could let go of. And part B of that challenge is the next time you're about to make a purchase, ask yourself, do I really, really need this? If it's toilet paper, you probably do. But if it's something else, think about it. Yes, toilet paper is definitely an essential. So you shared some great strategies and I'll be curious to see what the listeners come up with, with this challenge. So this has uh, been a lot of fun and some great topics and conversation today. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me. Well, you guys have a great rest of your day. Stay positive out there and we really appreciate you tuning in and listening to this podcast. So we'll be seeing you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. And if you want to keep diving into all things health and wellness, be sure and visit us at our Instagram page at Ian Myers Wellness and our YouTube channel at Ian Myers, where you can find continued support in your journey to health and transformation. Have a great rest of your day. And remember, total wellness is always in your hands. Thank you.